Welcome back, NodPod. Thank you guys so much for joining me for part two of my interview with Brittany Jade. If you did not yet listen to part one, go back last week, listen to part one. Brittany Jade is a very well-known TikTok influencer, Instagram influencer, recovery advocate. She's been very vocal and open about her story on TikTok. And in addition to like her meteoric rise to startup and fame on TikTok as a sober influencer, along with that came a lot of like backlash, online bullying. She got like canceled for a video that she made. There's just been like a lot. And I was super honored that she was willing to talk about those things with me. She really wanted to keep the focus on mental health and May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which she told me I didn't know. And so it's perfect that these are releasing in May because she, as many alcoholic and addicts discover, she discovered that after she got stabilized from drugs and alcohol, a lot of what she needed to work on was actually her mental health. And then you add into that, like, I can't even really imagine this happening. Like my year or two in sobriety, I was still, I mean, I'm still crazy, (laughs) right? I'm still like overly sensitive and insecure. And so if I also had had a Reddit page dedicated, I don't even want to say this shit right now because I don't want to get a Reddit page. I'm not famous enough to get a Reddit page. But if I had a Reddit page, especially a year or two, it would have destroyed me. And it kind of destroyed her. And we talk about that. And we talk about the impacts that it had and uh, her journey now to the other side. So I really hope you guys enjoy this interview. As always, please let me know what you guys think. I do have a NodPod shout out of the week. This is a cool one. So this wasn't directly to me. I just got tagged in this and I saw it. And I love when this happens. If I'm just like reading comments on a platform and I see someone mention our show, it makes me so happy. So I just, I saw this on Facebook. Somebody had said, our journey makes us stronger, like the alcoholic addict journey. And someone said, isn't that the truth? I listened to the Chasing Heroin podcast because the host has the same outlook. We are actually the lucky ones for having an, an addiction and then making it through because it just made us stronger, smarter, more resilient. Sometimes I get down on myself seeing people travel, seeing other people buy homes and just wanting to be there. But that's just not my path yet. Like if I'd gotten a great job right out of high school and was able to buy a house and just had things handed to me, I wouldn't be grateful for it. And that's something I always want to feel. Appreciation and gratefulness for the life I could so easily lose with one wrong choice. This was Amanda Marie on Facebook. Amanda Marie, first of all, thank you for listening. And thank you for listening for that reason. Like, because also you guys, when I read something like that, it reminds me what I'm doing. It reminds me what I'm doing. And my original message, my original message is, No one has to die a dope fiend and no one even has to be ashamed that we were dope fiends because it is a superpower. And I just so appreciate that I got tagged in that, that I saw that. I appreciate all of you guys all the time. If you guys have a sobriety milestone that you would like me to mention, please let me know. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. Please let me know. I would love to recognize you you guys on the show. And DM me your thoughts on the episodes too, because then I get to post them in story, which is cool because it helps, you know, promote the show. So thank you guys so much and uh, enjoy Brittany Jade part two. You guys are going to love it. So I actually detoxed at my parents' house. So that at that time, you know, my using had gotten really bad, but I wasn't drinking as much because of my using. And for some reason, I was able to detox at home. I got a couple prescriptions from like a doctor, but other than that, I detoxed there for two weeks. It was the hardest. So I got sober during a time where I couldn't see or talk to my kids. I was told by, I was trying to find a lawyer and I had a domestic violence restraining order on me. And they told me that it could be three to five years before I saw my kids again. And like hearing that as I'm like sober, like trying to do this and realizing like the full consequences of what, you know, what I had just done in these last six months, six months was, it was so hard. But the second that I found a lawyer who said, no, no, you're going to get to see your kids. Like, it's not going to be three to five years. Like, I'm going to help you do this. He was the most expensive lawyer in Carlsbad. But I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. I will work my, I will do whatever I need to do. And so we hired him and we showed up in court. So this is my sobriety day is February 9th. And then on February 28th. So the end of it, I showed up in court, not, I have no idea what's going to happen. And literally the best case scenario happened to me. Cause in that time I had started taking drug tests. I had brought, bought a breathalyzer. I was literally documenting like me to prove my sobriety. I had been doing anything and everything I've been going to, I'd started in, in AA and I had fully accepted, okay. you know, that's what was different this okay. time was I like actually fully accepted. There's no doubt about it. I am an alcoholic, I am an addict, and I am ready to get help. So I show up in court and they give me legal custody back that day already, like that day. 
And they didn't know though that I didn't have a home. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a home. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to do now about this? And so my mom just decided to up and leave her entire life in Wisconsin. My dad, who she's happily married to, her mom, my brother, like her whole life, her job and everything. And she helped me get a little mobile home for rent in Oceanside. Wow. And that, yeah. And it's crazy because she has been here. So that was three years oh my ago. Gosh. She's been here with me ever since. She just stayed. I thought she lived here already. I thought your parents no. were divorced. Well, I recently realized that they no, were. I know. you see them together all the time, like when you were back home visiting and stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait, they're married. I can't believe she moved here with you and helped you completely restart. That's unbelievable. And she still lives here? I know. Yeah. She stayed. She loves her job now. And yeah, she just likes being close to her grandkids yeah. here, even though she has another grandkid back home now. And, you know, and then that's when it was a really hard time, though. Like, my husband and I, we had to go no contact yeah. for a while when I first got sober. Because it was just so toxic. He still really wanted to be with me. I, I didn't want to be with him at all anymore. I felt like I was completely abandoned and discarded of when I went through all that. Like, I had zero support from him. And he, he recognizes yeah. that now. Yeah. And I think that's why he is so supportive of my sobriety now, because he knows he wasn't before and he, and he learned what he could have done to do different. That's why I love y'all's story. And and I want to talk more about that too. I love y'all's story because like fucking people aren't perfect, dude. And especially when you meet when you're young and you could grow apart or you could grow together. And I think that you guys are an example of like two people's love for each other and love for their children, like persevered. And I know that you guys did do work separately too, which I, which I do want to ask about, but I feel like this is, this is when things get so like cool for you, like to me. So you're living in your mobile home in Oceanside. And I know that place, right? I was homeless right there for a long time. I used to yeah. go steal from that, um, mm-hmm. the Salvation Army, the DAV place. I probably shouldn't say that, but I would go steal oh, clothes yep. and stuff. One time, actually, I was oh in such gosh. psychosis. I stole a shirt from that DAV. And there was something in the pocket that I thought was heroin. And it I, I was yeah. like, oh, a heroin addict must have donated this shirt. And I tried to shoot what was in the pocket of this shirt I had stolen. But anyways, and I was hoping it was heroin. It was not, obviously. <sighs> oh, so my God. What did you start doing? Did you start working at that time? What did you start doing? Let's see. What was I doing? I mean, I had my photography business, so I I was doing a little photography. I was doing a little hair for people. I was mainly with my kids all day, every day, because my husband, I mean, we were separated at that time. So he was technically, I called him my ex-husband, even though our divorce wasn't finalized. I watched the kids for him so he didn't have to pay for childcare. So I couldn't really have another job. My kids were young. They were, my boys were three. My daughter was six when I got sober. And so they were, they were young. And So that's pretty much what I did. I did stuff on the side and then my mom got a job. And then when I was like four months sober, that's when I started. That's what I was just going to ask you. This is like so cool to me. It's like the rest is history. Okay. So four months sober in 2020, now we're into the pandemic too, right? So that would have thrown a wrench into all these things. You decide to download this new app and film yourself doing a backflip. Like think about what that did to your life. That is wild. What made you even download TikTok and do it? By the way, Ivy told me to download it back then. I I got bored. Ivy, yes. Ivy was like, you got to get on this thing. TikTok, we should do it for the studio. And you know, she's so young. I was like, oh, Ivy's like 24. And I really wish I had at the time. You know what I mean? Because that's when it was booming. I did it a year later. So somebody recommended TikTok. You were bored and you did it. Pretty much. And at first it was just like a couple fun videos. And then I first started talking about my divorce because I didn't know anyone that had gone through a divorce and I felt very alone. And so I posted a short 15 second video of me like crying, just kind of talking about the divorce. And that was my first viral video was that. And it was a couple weeks later when I got up the courage to share about my sobriety journey. And it's, that's crazy because at that time, I still hadn't even had physical custody back of my kids. I only had legal custody, but it was pretty much like everything seemed back to normal because they were with me. They were with me more than they were with him. And I was very active in AA, like AA saved my life in the beginning because it was quarantine. So I just sat on Zoom meetings. And so that's pretty much started. And I just, I found, I posted to 
find community and to not feel so alone. And that is exactly what I found and to hold myself accountable. Right. Cause that was one thing that I could never do in the past was I never could tell anyone that yeah. I had a problem. And after this last time, like people knew that I was away from the kids and they knew something had happened. And so I just decided, you know what, Bernie, maybe it's time that you actually tell the world like who you yeah. actually are for the first time ever. And it was like so freeing to be able to do that. And I remember being scared of being judged by so many, but I was, and of course I was judged by some, but I was open or uh, accepted with open arms by so many more it was amazing. Like that's one thing that truly helped was sharing, sharing my story and my sobriety journey. My testimony is something that truly like really yeah. helped me and right. still does right. today. And so how quickly did you, I mean, your following kind of exploded, right? You got to a million followers really quick, right? Yeah. So I downloaded TikTok. My first video, I think I posted in like April and by December I had a million that's followers. Wild. So I was nine months sober. I'd also just accepted a job at a treatment center, like making six figures from TikTok. Nine months sober. Didn't they find you through TikTok? So it also got you a job. Yeah. Yes. With a million followers. It was it was such a crazy drastic change from like where I had started the beginning of the year, like literally having nothing, like no family. Couldn't even see or talk to my kids, not a single cent to my name and it was amazing. Like my first year of sobriety was absolutely incredible. I was definitely riding the pink cloud. And then my husband and I, we decided to reconcile our marriage and we got back together. That was a hard decision, but we had just learned in our time apart. Like when I got sober, he had gone to, he went to therapy. He joined some like dad's, he's Christian. And so he had joined some like dad's edge group where he had found community. He had been going to therapy. Like he did a lot of work on himself. I had been working the steps. I was very active in AA and was, I think for the first time we both were finally, cause for forever, like he couldn't see that our separation, our divorce was anything other than okay. my fault. Like he truly thought that everything was my fault, which yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like him, me being the alcoholic, like I I get that, but I needed him to accept that it wasn't just me too. And we both needed to take accountability for, for both of our parts. And we had finally come together and like both really been able to apologize to each other. And like, we actually really like felt it. I remember like crying with him one night because I had gone to just drop off the kids and we decided to talk and I remember just crying to him and thinking like, cause at this point I had made lots yeah. of videos on the internet. You burned like, your wedding dress. Totally trash. Didn't you burn your him. wedding dress in a fire? Yes, I burned my. <laughs> on TikTok. Yes, yes. Over the top. And like, I look back, that's not something I'm proud of. Like, I don't think me, it's just like how I chose to heal in the time. So I also am not super hard on myself, but I don't think it was nice and respectful of me to be talking shit about the father of my children. I was so upset and so hurt. And so at that time, like I, and I remember just crying and being like, Oh my God, like, what did I do? Like, what did I do? And, but we decided that like our, our family was worth it and that we were going to deal with whatever consequences. And we knew a lot of people weren't going to accept us getting back together, but we wanted to do that uh, ultimately, you know, and we, we made that decision. We fired our attorneys and, This is when we get into, though, this community that both gave and took from you, right? And it was like this amazing gift, but in a lot of ways, it was like really costly in ways, right? And especially because you were new in recovery and, you know, the chronically online people can be so cruel. I do have a question about Wiley. Did he know, how did he find out you were on TikTok? Because I've seen videos of you, like you posted on story where you had the phone down here. And he was like, you need to take those videos down of me. And you're like, what videos or whatever? And you know, from when you guys were arguing, how did he find out that you had exploded on TikTok? Did someone tell him or did you tell him? How did he start seeing stuff? Um, I definitely didn't. So we were no contact. So we weren't allowed to talk at this time. I didn't tell him. I think he was seeing a girl who I think had kind of told him him stuff. But yeah, and he said, you know, it never, never made him feel good at all. But he's not super... Like, I don't know. He was never, he was never going to be the type of person to, to try to make videos right. and do that. Like he's not super into right, social media right, and stuff. Right. So 
Yeah, I mean, it was hard because I'm like, well, I mean, everything I said, everything I said was true, you know, but it is just one side of the story. That's all people got to hear was only one side of the story, which I, that's what, that's when we came together. Like I really tried to explain we did a couple podcasts yeah. together and so he decided to, I felt like and, you did you were posting yeah. videos saying like we both did a lot of work we both did therapy blah blah like you know you made it really clear that this decision like came from work okay so you become an influencer yeah. basically overnight right and how did that affect your sobriety because also and I've dealt with this a little bit too in 12 step sometimes they're weird about you talking about it outwardly so did that start to come up for you in 12 step and stuff like how did your sobriety in your life start to be affected by your fame online? Yeah, I know. I didn't really realize it at the time. But like looking back, like it it most definitely did. Uh, I think I was pretty good about it at first for a while and making sure that, you know, my recovery stayed a priority and that my content stayed focused around that. But like as it all grew and more money came and more opportunities and more friendships and connections with other people, other creators. I definitely see like how I totally lost myself in it. And even the, like the comments, the comments though, that like really started hitting. Like at first, like the comments that first got to me, they were always about my weight and asking if I was pregnant And it's weird because I was so confident when I started TikTok and I thought it looked amazing exactly how I was, but I ended up losing like 20 pounds and my biggest motivation were those fucking comments. And like, I look back and I'm like, was I, was I doing that for me or was I doing it for other people? Like, was I doing it to, to keep up with this appearance of, of social media? And I don't know, I just like this, that whole last year, like the beginning of it, like I was just traveling like crazy with friends and like, it was really fun, but like, it's just not what I needed to be doing. Like I need to be focusing on, on my family and, you know, still the life that I worked so hard to get back. And I was around a lot of, a lot of alcohol and a lot of events where there was alcohol. And I think a lot of people didn't like that. At the time, I was almost like, oh, my God, I feel like I have to prove this point that, like, I can stay sober. I can have friends that don't drink and I can stay sober through it. And I was really proud of myself for being able to do that. But it wasn't comfortable. Like, it wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel like I ever didn't feel like I fully fit in still because of that and the comments. And then and then at some point you discover the Reddit page, right? Yeah. So that's what I was just coming up on. Okay. So I like wrote out this timeline here. Yeah. So this month, May of last year was because we moved out. I got this own house. Like we were doing really good the beginning of 2022, like January to April. We were really good. Like we were just living our best life in our new home. Like first time being financially stable on our own without our parents' help for the first time in our whole life. And I was making the most money I've I've ever made. I actually, so in April, I quit the treatment center. That was really hard for me. I didn't want to, but I just didn't feel like they basically, my job description, I never was required to get a certain number of people in. And if I was, I would have not accepted that job. I would have, wouldn't have not, I wouldn't have worked there for a year and a half if I knew I that that was like that. And then all of a sudden last April, they bring to my attention that I'm not getting enough people in. And I like lost my shit just and instantly after they said that I was like, well, why? I was like, I wasn't under the impression that I had a certain number of quota because that sounds illegal. And they were like, yes, Brittany, we know we know what the law is. And then they deleted like in the message that they deleted where they had asked me, told me that I wasn't getting enough people in. So in that time, I had already screenshotted it. I send it back to them and I was like, why was this deleted? And they're like, oh, because it was rude and unnecessary, although true. And within two minutes, I wrote my recognition. I said, you know what? I always said if I felt anything was like iffy and sketchy that that I would leave. And like that time is now. I, I, I feel just things hadn't been the same. I wanted to be more involved with that treatment center. I wanted to be there with the clients, helping them one-on-one. And I did. I got to do some. I got to do FaceTime calls, but I wanted to do more and I wanted to be involved in more. They didn't want me. They didn't so, want me to do that. They the wanted face, me to be right, the face yeah. of And it. the reason, and just to give you guys context too, because I, and I was telling Brittany off air, I've ran into this too. So like, 
there's a little bit of a, people think it's kind of a gray area with treatment. Like if you're in a position like you, and I didn't know this though, a treatment center, I was telling you reached out to me recently and treatment saved my life. I had a great experience at Choices. And I'm like, sure, yeah. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll promote your place. You've got a phone number people can call. You fly them in, blah, blah, blah. And then Narcan Nate was like, that's a little dicey because if they do something unethical, you don't want to get attached. You don't want to be sending people there. And I'm glad he told me that because I never would have known. And I was like, oh, okay. And to be honest, I still think like people need help. I, I didn't know where to go. And so if somebody had been following me or if I'd been following you and you'd had that advice, like, I still think that that's helpful, but people at the time were, you were getting accused of, they call it body brokering, right? Where you send people to treatment. And so that was kind of the issue too, is that people online were hassling you. Mm -hmm. They were hassling you. You didn't even want to do it. Your understanding Mm -hmm. was that you would make videos promoting it and then also going there and actually meeting people, right? That was your understanding. Okay. Yes. So people accused you of relapsing and that's why you got fired that was what was being thrown around oh my god that That pissed me that off like I can't even tell you and the lengths I went to prove myself and for I'm sure people still fucking say it but I know what happened I've talked to you know Sarah Boo no I don't think so Oh, I think I've had this conversation. Anyway, she's a lawyer. She's on TikTok too. She's okay. in recovery. I'm like, I feel very confident. Like, and I, I just know I have, I have screenshots to prove everything, but I also, I didn't speak on it for so long because I didn't want to hurt the therapist right. there. Like I cared about those people, but after I left, you know, I, I finally decided to speak up on it a year later because I had left for a year not a single person checked yeah. in on me from there. And I'm like, I have stayed quiet to protect you know, this facility and these people, like, right. for what, you know, for what? And I've just taken all of these accusations. And they even wrote like a, a letter, because I'm like, hey, I'm getting accused of this. Can you guys write a letter just saying, you know, that I didn't actually get fired and that I resigned? And so they did, but that still wasn't good enough for people. And yeah, it was very hurt. It was very hard for me to leave. And then my Reddit page was made in May of last year. So I think that's why right now is like kind of a hard time for me because this is really when it started going downhill for me last year. I was going through like a, a huge depression. And for a while, like last summer, I didn't really fully realize what it was from. But I mean, through lots of therapy and learning, my Reddit page was created in May. And I remember like saying in February to a couple of my friends, that's when I first discovered Reddit. I had no idea about it. And I, I saw something written about some Instagram influencer who I don't even know, but the horrible things that I read, like it took my breath away. And I remember texting all my friends and being like, if you guys ever see a page like this made about me, don't tell me because I will not be okay. Yeah. And so then I was just, I found out that it was made. And at first it was just like accusations that I was fired or that I wasn't sober or like comments on my appearance. So it wasn't like... It wasn't anything like super serious at first, but it still was, it was really, really hard. I've looked at your Reddit page. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. Well, it got taken down. Oh, it did. Okay. Okay. So we'll get there in the story. Oh, good. Okay. Because at the time when you mentioned it, I had never, I had heard of Reddit, but I never looked on it. And you and Ashley were talking about it at the same time, Trashly Anonymous. And I went and looked at both y'all's pages. Hers is horrific. Hers is horrific. I have not looked at hers. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. They still have some. They come at her all the time. They try to, you know, dox her wife's work, all this stuff. And they looked at yours too. And like, I don't know what would possess someone, another woman, another woman Mm -hmm. to just attack another woman in this world so hard in such, and such, we know where the gut shots are and you're taking them. You know what I mean? Like talking about someone's appearance, it's devastating. And if I were in your position, it would be very, very, very difficult for me to see that stuff as well. In fact, I started like, I'm not well known at all. But when I saw yours, I started looking for my name and I was like, oh my God, I hope there's not one about me. Like this bitch with a podcast thinks she's hot. You know what I mean? Like, and so I can understand how it made you feel when you first started seeing it. Actually, I can't. I can't even imagine what you felt when you started seeing it. So hard, but I pretty much like from the beginning, I was just like, I'm not going to look at it much. Like, I'm going to 
because all my friends had had them too. And right. it just is what it is. But like I went through, so last June, I went through a really bad depression that I didn't really share about much because I didn't want to make people worry. But I did so much research on cyberbullying and one of the only ways that like cyber bullies can be held accountable legally is if someone takes their life or- over it or someone loses their life over it. And it was so sad. Like I, one day I had this overwhelmingly, like this overwhelming feeling that that was supposed to be me, that that was <sighs> like, that's what, and I, oh, I have a couple of pictures from that day, but I, I actually had went to a liquor store too that day and I sat outside and I was just, I was just so upset at these people and I wanted them to like know the, the pain that they were, or to feel the pain that like I had been feeling. I made it through that time, but that was hard. I didn't drink. I, it was so crazy. So I was at, I went and sat outside the liquor store and my husband had called me and I didn't know he had, like he could see my location, but he had called me and asked where I was. And I thought it was just like a random, I was like, oh my God, this was a sign. Like he's calling me right now. I need to turn around and go back home. And like later he told me he knew I was there because he could see where my location was. And because I told him about it anyways. But that was when like my first like big, big kind of like thoughts that I was possibly going to relapse, like suicidal thoughts about it all. Just like really realizing like, okay, I'm not doing well. I also was just not very healthy. I had lost like, 25 pounds and I didn't I was working out and stuff but I wasn't eating and I wasn't eating because I have an eating disorder I wasn't eating because I was just overworking myself I was busy and like I always think you know we find new addictions even in recovery like we always find something else and mine was social media for a while it became an addiction for me and then when it wasn't fun social media and it became a job it was I became addicted to the job aspect and the money and I was like hustling so hard and I thought okay well shit now I got to keep up with this freaking lifestyle and so last year this time I'm making probably 10 times the amount that I am right now so it's like now we're now we're back to just like living paycheck to paycheck, <laughs> like the normal life, which I am totally fine with. Like that was it was so hard. It was so much to feel like I had to keep up with with the constant trends and the looks and the friends and just and just everything. Um, and I really lost myself in it, and it just took me took me a while. But then I kind of got in, involved in some drama situations, like the boat incident. Right. Oh, yeah. The fucking boat incident. Like, I was just trying to do something nice. I got my friend a yacht for her birthday, invited all these girls, and then it all sorted itself out. But it like shit had nothing to do with me. But I felt like I had to speak up because I was the sober one there. The the two girls that it was between, they weren't sober. And I was sober. And so I felt like I had to speak up to like really tell the truth because I saw every single thing that happened that day. And I'm so glad I did because like the accusations that were made they were serious. one of the girls. Yeah, they were very serious. And and this girl, she is also had a huge Reddit page. And like, I fully believe that she was just at a, not a good place at all. And everyone knew that I fully believe like she would have, she would not be here today if I wouldn't like, spe- I would, if I didn't speak up and, um, and share the truth. So, so I for context, yeah. So for mm-hmm. context guys, Brittany was in a group of friends. They were super, super popular and famous on TikTok. And they would hang out together and do different things. And they rented a yacht in San Diego. And you can, if you're interested, I'm sure you could go back and still, you know, find all the all the information about it on TikTok. But there was like this controversy about something that may or may not have happened. There was some footage, but it was like being a little bit, it was, uh, footage was being manipulated. And it was just a huge, huge, huge thing online on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And you did step forward and you defended your friend, basically, and kind of put some of the rumors to rest. Yes. And it was hard because it was the two girls. It was, they were both my friends. They were right. both my friends. And, but I, so that I, you know, I got involved in drama that wasn't even really about me. And that like caused a lot of, a lot of uh, just more, any sort of controversy or drama, like the Reddit pages just go ham on. And so, you know, mine was going off there. And, but then in August, August was when I had my big 
incident where I did a trend where you tell you like, it's a prank trend where you lie in front of your kids to see if they'll go along with it. I saw a lot of people making apology videos because people had lied and said like their kids were blind and obviously there are blind kids. And so it was, it was a very, and so I knew, like I told my husband, I said, when we, when we do this one, like I really want to do it. I think it'd be really funny to do. We need to make sure that whatever we do isn't offensive. And so we thought on this for freaking weeks, which is the worst part about it, which is the worst part about it. And um, we kept thinking, we're like, what can we do? No, 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 we can't do that. Can't do that. And then all of a sudden I had this idea in my head. Well, why don't we say, and I, I literally beat myself up about this because I cannot fucking believe it. I was like, well, what if we said that they had a brother that didn't make it? And I was like, well, technically that's not offensive because this is what I said in my head, because it's not actually real. And there wasn't actually one there. But what I realized after I posted the video was that is a lot of people's reality. They have lost a child and it was the most offensive thing we could have chose to joke about. After we posted the video, I always go in the comments right away after I post a video. It was within 11 minutes. That's all the video is up for was 11 minutes. I saw three comments in there from people who said, I've lost a child at 30 weeks. And I don't know if you should say like trigger warning child loss. I always feel like I need to. And I write in the comments and I literally, I screamed. I was like, holy shit. I took down the video. I personally went and found these people, followed them back so I could personally apologize. And those like three people were very, very kind. They were very thankful. I took the video down right away. Well, of course, because of how many people I had, like watching my every move in that time, it was screen recorded, posted over on Reddit on my page and who then everyone on my page said, oh my gosh, this needs to be posted on the TikTok Reddit page. Like, who's going to post it over there? So then it gets posted on the TikTok Reddit page. And then from there, they all talked about, okay, who's going to post it over back on TikTok? And so then it got back over on TikTok. And this video that was only on only 14,000 people on my page saw it. I think the hashtag like Brittany Jade deleted video, it is multiple millions. Like some of these videos had... 10 million freaking views on them about this. And so it spread all over the place. And the people who continued to share it, like, I knew what I was, I knew what I did was wrong. And that's why I took it down. I didn't take it down because I was being called out because I wasn't being called out by anyone at the time. I took it down because I recognized like, holy shit, you just fucked up and that's not okay. And, but yeah, it was spread all over. And we made an apology video the next day. And I don't think at that time I really had fully realized to the extent of it all. I don't think anyone did like the, how many people this was getting out to. And so I, the apology video wasn't the greatest. I, I didn't take accountability as well as I should. And, and I recognize that, which is why I then I thought about it for a couple weeks. I, you know, and then was able to really do a better apology video but I had to like really let that sink in and like realize, and it was so hard. I was getting tagged in thousands of videos of people sharing their stories with me. So it was, that was the hardest part about it was the subject of what I joked about was just absolutely devastating. Like any parent's worst nightmare. And I hurt a community of people whom I would have never wanted to hurt. So it was, it was very, very hard. And you know, just to these people too, they doxed our address. Like they said, Brittany Jade lives at blah, 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 and posted our address. Like these people oh knowing God. damn well that we have our kids in our home with us. People said that they hope. Like I they hope know, something just, happens to your kids. Like they hope yes. something happens to your kids. Yep. Yes. And we had to get the police involved. So the police were out patrolling oh our gosh. house. We had to get cameras all up. Like it was absolutely terrible and I truly thought like in that moment my whole life on social media was done and and within you know in those first couple days but even my husband he's usually pretty hopeful about things like we both were like what the fuck do we do like we wanted to just get up and disappear like we felt so bad we and then now it's like we had my our boys my daughter wasn't in the video but our boys were in that video and so they, we had involved them in all of this. It was so fucking hard that time. Like I, I, that was probably one of the hardest times in my life that I remember that I was sober for because a lot of the other ones, I, I don't know, you know, 
fully like that one I had to feel everything and I did a couple like I, I I raised money for a charity to help families who had lost a child and I spent hours and hours each day watching videos replying back to people like personally apologizing to as many as I could for weeks you know and then I came to the point where like I had to and like I don't know. My, my, my husband wasn't working. He was a stay-at-home dad. And so when I had to stop, like our income completely stopped when all this, my management tree, team dropped me. So they provided I, me. I wanted to 90- ask you about that. Is that why? Is that why they dropped you at that time? Oh my god! They gosh. dropped me because that scandal didn't align with their company's values. And I said, no, that doesn't align with anyone's values. Like, but they had to do what they had to do. I mean, I know they were, it was on like all these news stations, you know, all the big ones, it was all fucking over. So they had to do what they had to do. Every single company I worked with got reached out to said, we will not support you. We will blast your company if you continue working with Brittany Jade. So yeah, our income like completely stopped, thankfully, because I had hustled that whole beginning of the year, like we were, we were okay. I try to take off as much time as I could, but also like this was our only income still and I had to get back to it. Um, And I don't think I was fully ready, but I had to do what I had to do. And then I got, I had a trip planned, like a group trip planned for October where I took 13 girls to Costa Rica. And this was something where people bought tickets to come. And, uh, you know, I was not a good place mentally when I went into it. And then I also, like the girl that was supposed to stay sober with me, like I brought someone there. I paid for her ticket to come. It was, I think, I think it was like $3,000. I paid for her to come on this trip so I could have like this sober friend. And it was a lot of stress. We had like a medical emergency with one of the girls there. She, she almost died from going into diabetic shock. And it was the most stressful week of my entire life. And when I got back from that, like I just... It was all just, I don't know, it just all came over to me. It was all too much. And that's when I kind of like really, that was when it got really bad. And I started using Reddit as like a form of self-harm because I hated myself and I wanted to, at that point, I like wanted to hear all the terrible things about me because I didn't want to be here anymore. And so I spent a few days just constantly reading and believing. And that's because that's what I got to. Like I, I started believing, I started believing I wasn't sober. I started believing I looked like a man. I started believing like all these terrible things. And cause that is what cyberbullying like can, can get to. And I'm sure and right regular bullying too. I feel very grateful that I didn't really experience a whole ton of bullying growing up. And I think that's why it was hard to do as an adult. I mean, I'm very grateful I didn't, but I think it is it made harder. And yeah, I posted a video of me holding a bottle of alcohol because I had gone to the store and bought alcohol. This was October 12th or October 13th, we had someone call like a welfare check on us. So we had like a sheriff come out in the house. And I mean, I was, I needed that. Like he was like, he's like, honestly, he's like, I I should take you somewhere like to another psych ward because that's how bad it was. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to put my kids through that right now. I just knew I needed help. Otherwise, I was I was going to relapse. I was going to kill myself. I was going to do something. Yeah, so I posted that video. I bought the alcohol. And I posted it. Then people would know. People would know that I have alcohol in the house. And so that's how my mom found out about it, which I then was able to give it to her and get that out. And pretty much once I got that out of the house, I was just like, I need help because I'm not okay. And I thought that meant me going back to treatment. And that's why I thought I needed to drink, like I needed to drink to accept this help. But thankfully, I learned that there were mental, there are mental health inpatient facilities too. Even being someone that has a big following, you like mental health care is shit and we couldn't afford it. Like these places were $1,500 to $3,000 a day. They were even more expensive than addiction treatment. And so that was really hard, but we thought I was going to be going away for a while. And so I had to, I had brought it up with my kids. Even I had told my daughter that mommy was going to go away again. And it was just such a hard time for a whole family. Yeah. So it's interesting to me, two things that you just said. So, because you took shit for both of these, right? And again, for context to the listeners, imagine too, so all of this is happening and every single thing she does or posts, every single thing is 
watched, splashed everywhere with people hoping it will fail. People were hoping your trip would get canceled. People were hoping that you had relapsed on the trip and that was the drama. People were hoping you'd had a falling out with your good friend. People were like hoping. And you know, I don't care who you are. I don't know anyone that is secure enough that they could just live in this bubble where people aren't just looking at them, but constantly criticizing, constantly criticizing and your early recovery and you're a woman and it was coming at you from all sides. And like, I remember the whole time just thinking like, oh my gosh, like, I hope she's okay. I'm watching this shit unfold. And one of the things that you took shit about was that video where you were holding the bottle. But what you just said makes sense to me. You said you posted it and then people would know. And then your mother knew. Mm-hmm. I think you would become so consumed in social media and I'm not mm-hmm. even an influencer and I'm super addicted to Instagram. I have the timer on my phone and every single day it goes off and I say, ignore all day, <laughs> every single day. Like I'm so, and I'm not yeah. even, you know, and I think you would become absorbed in the social media enough that it was like a reflection back to you. And that's the danger, right? When all the good is reflecting back to us and we're believing the good, then we're believing the bad. And I think that that was a mirror of you And that was why you were putting it out there for someone to see, right? Like, it makes sense to me that you did that. Like, this had become your reflection. You know, this had become your wall back and forth. The other thing you've said that makes sense to me is believing that relapse is how we get help. That's true. Yeah. And I think only alcoholic addicts will understand that. Yeah. But like, that's totally true. Like, it makes sense to me that that was an avenue for you and thinking like, well, if I use, I can go back because I just need a break, you know, like I just need a break and I just need some help. Yeah. So where did you end up going? So I didn't end up going anywhere because we couldn't, we couldn't, I couldn't afford anything. It was so hard. My husband, I was sending messages to people. My husband was calling people and like, I was even willing to work and trade and promote their treatment center while I was there, like that type of deal, even though that would not have been great for me to do in that state. But I was willing to do anything to get help. We just couldn't afford it. But I'm very thankful. One of the places I reached out was actually a scholarship program place and they offered to help me get into a doctor to get like a psych eval done and get a proper diagnosis because I, at that time I had never been diagnosed with anything. I'd just been told I have all these mental illnesses or characteristics of all these mental illnesses, but never an actual diagnosis. And so I went and saw this doctor every week for six weeks. And just that alone in that time was enough hope to like get me to keep going. Like I knew I had somewhere I needed to be where I was going to get professional help and I was going to be safe and I was going to get answers. And that helped me through that time. Because besides that, like I didn't get out of bed for, I mean, honestly, I want to say weeks at a time, even at one point to the point where my husband took a video of me, my legs, when I finally came downstairs, my legs could barely even like hold myself because I had been sitting in bed just in a depression for so long. And it's hard for me to like explain that. But my husband, even today, he's like, Bernie, like almost every day he tells me like, I just makes me so happy to see like where you are at now. And he's like, it is a night and day difference. And I'm like, are you sure? Is it? Cause it's hard. I don't remember fully how bad it was, you know, but it was bad enough to feel like my life was over. So revenue was gone at this time, yeah. right? Money's gone. Mm-hmm. You're at home alone. Was anybody guiding you guys through this process or was with just you and Wiley trying to figure it out? I mean, I guess eventually you found the therapist, but like the two of you with like the fallout from that video and then seeking out professional help, it was just like the two of you getting by, right? Yeah, we were actually still in marriage therapy at that time. We had had the same ther- therapist for three years. And so she, we still were meeting with her during that time, but she even herself was like, Brittany needs professional help like she needs something more than me so like she even acknowledged that too but we did have have that we had my mom I had a couple friends that you know checked in on me and I am very grateful I'm you know I'm not friends with really close with very many people who I was as I was last year, but I'm very grateful for the people who stood by my side, like during that time, because a lot of creators spoke up against me. Creators who I thought we were pretty good friends who, instead of coming to me first, you know, made a video about it. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it got spread so much too, was because so many creators spoke out against it. But I, it's crazy. It's come like full circle. I have gotten almost every single person who made a video about me 
has like reached out and apologized to me for that. And we have able been able to apologize to each other, you know, so I could personally apologize for hurting them because everyone, you know, was, they were triggered by that. They had every single valid reason to be, you know, and yeah, it's, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy to think about that time. Then, of course, during that too, then like drama mid- videos were being made about Costa Rica. I don't, they like gossip pages were covering them. And that had nothing to do with me too. The drama was in between like two of the other girls there. And just once again, it was my trip. And so I got brought into it. But that, that trip was really when I realized I no longer want to be hanging out with friends who are going out and getting drunk because we had a really bad night one night in Costa Rica. And two of the girls, two of the girls who were my closest friends ended up leaving early. And it was just, it was really bad for me to be in like that alone. So you get back from Costa Rica mm-hmm. and then you finally get a clinical diagnosis. And then when do we start to see the light and come out of this really, really deep depression? Let's talk about your diagnosis and then how you kind of swam your way out of this. Yeah. So I, so it's kind of confusing because I don't regret going and doing that, doing the testing and seeing that doctor because that's truly what gave me hope in that, in that moment. And that's what I needed. Unfortunately, though, because of the timing that I took that testing, I was going through so much trauma. And so I wasn't like properly, I couldn't answer the questions fully properly. Like one of the questions was, do you feel like people are out to get you? And I'm like, I don't feel like that. Like I know people are out to get me. They had got my phone number. They had got our address. It was, it was crazy. This is Um, actually true in my case. Yeah. This is not paranoid schizophrenia. People are actually doxing my home. Yes. I'm a TikTok influencer. I don't know if the SAMHSA book includes that, the DSM-5, but people are actually out to get me. (laughs) Yeah. So I got a diagnosis of MDD, major depressive disorder, ADHD, BPD, and dependent personality disorder, which is like basically if people pleaser was a diagnosis, that's DPD, dependent personality disorder, which is totally me. I got that diagnosis. But then I brought that information over to my psychiatrist, who I had been seeing when, when that Reddit page was made in May. I had started seeing a psychiatrist then, and she has kind of always thought that I was bipolar, and she still today thinks I'm bipolar. And so so I don't talk too openly about the diagnosis is because I still, okay. I still don't really know. But uh, that's when I, I really started focusing on myself and my family. Like December, it got a little bit better. And things started looking up. I started going to therapy and just taking care of myself. I started forgiving myself because that was just something that needed to happen. Or I was gonna, I was gonna eat myself up forever about that. And I'm very grateful I have my recovery meetings on Mondays, you know, so I stayed doing those. And like that was those girls support was everything. I'm so grateful that I had all their all their support through all that. And then in January, I went through like another kind of hard time because I started a new medic medication, Wellbutrin. And I had some really crazy side effects like my mom and I, I thought I was good on it. But my mom and Wiley like compared it. They're like it to what I was like when I was in addiction. So very like short tempered, like on edge. They didn't know, like they were scared around me. And so I ended up taking myself out of the house, like for a little bit for a week, because I was, I was just scared. I'd gone into psychosis before. And this, one of the side effects, you could go into psychosis. It was right around the same time that Lindsay Clancy stuff happened. And I was terrified. And so I took myself and that, that actually, that helped getting through that. And then I got to speak at a mental health event, which actually was so healing for me, like getting to share my journey, even though I still wasn't in like my mental health wasn't amazing, but just getting able to share about how far I have made it so far, you know, yeah. I might not be where I, you know, want to be, but, uh, and then January also, I made the decision to let go of some friendships. I needed to focus. I just felt like the whole last year I've been so focused on social media and friends and money and the lifestyle. And like, I, I saw where it got me. Like I had actually left AA yeah, last, last year when this all went bad because people basically would say like, you're not living. That's not how someone uh, currently working in 12 step program acts. And it just, it made me have this huge resentment towards the program I'm back now and everything is good now. But at the time, like I got upset when really it that those were, it wasn't the program. It was, 
people individually who who are not living by the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous either. If you're watching everything I do and talking shit about me, that's taking my own Also, kind of no one is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of no one is, right? Like, you know, love and tolerance are our code, right? That's what it says in the book. I am not loving and tolerant every day. You know, my husband is probably the kindest person I know, and he's not loving and tolerant every single day. Do you know what I mean? Like, most people aren't, Right. And I do understand there's the principle of anonymity that we're both violating, but I also think that that's an old school principle. And if no one knows about the program, how are they supposed to find it? You know, you and I are in coastal cities where we have access to treatment and care. There are people that aren't, you know, that live in Mississippi and they don't know, and they might be on TikTok and see you and be like, oh, wait, what is that? I feel like I've actually heard of that AA. What did she say? Yeah. Boom. Life saved. And to me, that's worth more than, you know, like, I also think there's, cause somebody emailed me once this really shitty email. And he was like, you know, God forbid somebody thinks that you're the face of AA or something like that. That's the danger. And that's such a silly argument to me because that's like saying that like the mom in your neighborhood, like Facebook group who posts a picture on her Peloton, that's like thinking someone is going to be like, oh, she must represent Peloton. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's not the face of Peloton. Right. She's using Peloton to make her life better. And this is her testimony. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah. No one thinks I'm the face of AA. No one yeah. thinks you're the face of AA. No. You know, Robert Downey Jr. talks about AA. Mm-hmm. No one thinks he's the face of AA, right. right? Like, we're good. Like, the foundation still stands mm-hmm. on this institution from the 30s, right? But I'm glad you've returned back back to AA and back to 12-step yeah. and, you know, like, back to your roots. And you didn't use, you didn't drink during any of this time. No. You stayed sober. Yeah, it was very, it was very close, which is crazy because, like, my first, whole, whole first year, I was just very confident in my sobriety and I always said, like I associate relapse with death. And I think that's why it was so confusing for me this last time, because I just, I don't know. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I, what I wanted and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't, I just knew that I didn't want to feel like that anymore. Well, and if the consequence of death was no longer something that was negative for you, then right. You know what I mean? Yeah, if, you know, exactly. If, that's, if you were at that point, yeah. You know? And I think, the hardest part, though, is so when I came out of all this, you know, which is like the beginning of the beginning of this year, and I started really getting a little better, I had I had really realized that this did not that depression did not affect just me. That was our whole family. And it sucks because I look back and like, I, I wasn't aware of how it was affecting everyone because I couldn't get out of bed. And you know, they didn't want to tell me how bad it was affecting them too, because they didn't want to make me worry anymore. And it was almost like a crazy time. Time I started feeling better. It was a perfect timing because my daughter had been struggling really, really bad. And we learned that the cyberbullying that I experienced online is, is happening to her in school. So these kids about my TikTok. Oh, no, really? About you? Yeah. Oh, and no. I haven't I haven't really talked about this whole time. She's she's fine with me doing it. They're fine with me talking about it. And I've talked about like with the school and stuff, but they uh, Googled me. They found about my TikTok and they would go around like taking votes like should Britney Jade be canceled like kids in her class. They said that they showed oh their parents the apology video and they were taking votes on if it was real or if it was fake. They said that they showed their moms and their and their mom their moms were crying and upset about it and oh put this huge like guilt trip on on my daughter and it's just been absolute hell to like realize like you know I know what how much pain I I caused her when I was in my my addiction you know and and then I got sober and and we got our life back together and then just knowing that this is like. I still was causing and causing more pain to her. And just really, really made me realize, like, I chose to do social media. This was me. My family, they didn't, you know, like this. And so I've tried to be a lot more respectful about making sure that I'm keeping whatever they want private. If they don't want to be in something, they don't have to be. We've like pretty much like fully taken my daughter off, though. That's just what we decided is best because of what she's going through. But yeah, it's just been a 
Oh, and that's like even that's only a little sliver. I don't even I obviously she's young and one day she will get to tell her story, but it's just been a crazy, crazy journey. But I'm I'm very glad to be where I'm at today. I just now that it's coming up on a year, I'm just I'm like almost living in fear that like what if things start going downhill again, you know? Right. So you started coming back did you make a conscious decision to, because you had to have been debating not even being an influencer anymore, right? And so did you make a conscious decision at some point? No, I, I do want to keep doing this. I want to return to the fold. And I kind of know the answer to that because I, I watched you talk about it on lives and stuff. But what did that look like for you? Uh, I went back and forth for so long about it. Um, and my husband, I he didn't, so he didn't have a job. He started looking for a job last October, October. It took him six months to find a job. He applied at over 170 places. And like, I think if he would have found a job sooner, I probably would have stepped away. But since he didn't, and we had to, I had to keep some and I had to keep it going. It really helped me make my final decision, which I, because I I do love doing this. Like, this is what I love to do. I've just learned a lot of lessons and I've seen how it can affect me not only me, but my whole family, you know, negatively and positively. And I've, I've learned so much now. Like I will never do those prank videos anymore, like ever, ever. And just ca- cancel culture is very, very scary. And I've seen, and it's like they, they, they do, they move from one person to the next. And I've seen it happen to people. And there's a difference in like, st- still people today will comment on my videos. When I talk about cancel culture, they'll, they'll say, it's not cancel culture. It's, it's holding you accountable. And it's like, if you're still bringing this up today, do you not feel like I held, held myself accountable? Like what would that mean to you? And that's what it was. People were just like, a couple people just straight up would say like, what do you want her to do? Do you want her to lose her whole income? Okay. Well, she basically did. Do you want her to lose followers? Okay. She did. Do you want her to lose her job? Do you want to lose her, her home? Do you want her to take her life over it. Like when is, what is the, when is it going to be good enough for you? And it's so toxic. There's been shows, Love Island. Do you know the show Love Island? I know the show. I've never watched yeah. it, but I know of it. So there have yeah. been multiple suicides um, from people who were on that show and because of cancel culture. Oh, yes. wow. And so I, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I, I did so much research on it. And it just is very sad. I've read I've heard some extremely like heartbreaking stories from people who who lost everything from from a mistake, because some people they do speak about controversial things. And that's just they know what they're doing. Some of it. And people constantly were saying like, oh, you knew what you were doing. You knew what you were doing when you made the joke. No, I didn't. I, honest to God, I did not. I would have never joked about something that I knew was going to hurt that many people. So, and people don't like when I call it, it, call it a mistake, but it was, it was a mistake because I didn't stand by what I meant. I didn't know what I was saying. And I just, you know, it's, it's just no one deserves to have their whole life ruined over for, over a mistake, you know? And I feel so strongly about that. And I don't know if it's because I'm in recovery and I've made so many mistakes. Yes, yes. I've made a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes. You know, my mother had cancer and I took her pain pills. Well, she had cancer. Yeah. That was really shitty. Yeah. If that had been on on camera, right? Like maybe I wouldn't be able to, do, like people make mistakes mm-hmm. and especially in recovery, yes. we make mistakes and, you know, we try to live differently because ultimately that's all you can do, right? They call it in the program, a living amends. Yep. And so what you just said, right, which is like learning from what happened, adjusting your behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and moving forward, like you said, what else can you do? Yeah. I'm glad that you came back into the fold and that you came back into this thing that you love. Mm-hmm. Because you clearly do love it. And I know mm-hmm. I've been talking to you for so long. I have one last little thing I want to ask mm-hmm. you about. You clearly love it. Yep. You clearly love being a creator. What is your, because you put out a lot of videos and a lot of dances. What is your creative process for TikTok? Because you're obviously very, very creative. Do you watch trends and write notes? What do you do? How, what's your process? Yeah. So when I started TikTok, which I've been trying to get back into it because like that's when it was very fun with me. For me, I would, I had a journal and I'd write out all my ideas and I kind of stopped doing that. I think that's what led me to be more careless and post things without fully thinking through, you know, and so I am trying to get back into that a little bit. 
but I'm a perfectionist with things, which is very, it's very hard to do that and have it be social media. So I used to spend so much time like planning everything for my TikToks down to the location, the lighting, the outfit. And like something that I'm really trying to focus on right now is like letting that go and just also I have to be very careful like for for a while I I had to get everything that I posted approved by multiple people just to get second opinions because I was like I cannot fuck up again you know I I just I truly believe that I don't think I can go through that again if that is something like that ever happens again I will be I will leave the internet like I I just can't go oh there's just no way I can go through that again which will be sad but uh it's, it's, it's not worth it. You know, Um, I just also wanted to show people too, that you can go through these hard times and come back out. You know, my life isn't the same as what it, what it was a year ago before it all started, but I think it needed to slow down. It needed to change. And I just got so caught up in it all. And I don't know, well, I just didn't really like it's easy to do. Else. Yeah, I would imagine it's easy to do. It's glamorous. And it's fun. Listen, I made a video last night, and it got 14,000 views. Yeah. And I'm like, woo, yeah. 14,000 views. Yeah. Right. And I'm older than you, you know, and I'm still getting validation from that. I am. I try to be aware of it. I can't even imagine being in your shoes. And you're getting millions of likes and millions of views. Anybody, anybody, anybody yeah, you, would you get chase caught that up dopamine in that. dopamine for sure. Of course. And, like of course. and especially and especially for you coming from just having felt like such a loser. Yeah. You felt like such a loser. I felt like such a loser. Like there's no pain, like the pain of knowing that you're not the woman you were supposed to be yeah. because of drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And especially for you as a mother. And then all of a sudden you're getting this platform and people love you. Yeah. And it's like, I can totally understand how you got so, you know, caught up in that. But that was my next question. So are you in a way glad or come to some sort of peace with that it slowed down and that it, that it forced you to take that break? Uh, yeah, I really am. I just, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I was there for my kids like I, I needed to be last year. And I'm just trying to be more present with them and my content. I just want it to be more wholesome. It's easy to try to think of like, oh, let's do that trend. And like, I used to think like, what's going to get me views, you know, like what is going to do that? Because it's a, you, you chase that dopamine for sure. But it came to a point where like I, my self worth was based on numbers, you know, and that's how, and then if they weren't good, I didn't feel worthy. And it was, it was so, so toxic. And so now I'm just focused on, you know, posting what I want to post, what makes me happy, which what makes me happy is, is helping other people. And so I'm trying to be smart with my content and just being open about things. It's also very hard for me to be fully open about my mental health because it it, it is still kind of fresh, you know, but it's mental health month is May right now. So, Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So it is a, a subject that's very, I'm very passionate about. So is there anything left that you want to say that you have the opportunity to say after everything that's been said about you? Is there anything left that you want to say or that you would want to add? You know, like thankfully, so, oh, I didn't, my Reddit page got removed. I told you that. Um, Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It just got, it got so bad. And like the level of harassment that was, not legal. But thankfully, mine has slowed down a whole ton. And I don't really know what it is, why people decided to, you know, leave me alone. I feel bad because I see it still happening really bad to some of my, I don't have a lot of close friends anymore, but I see it happening to one of them specifically. And I just remember like the the pain. And I don't think people realize like really how harmful and hurtful that can be, whether it's cyberbullying or regular bullying, like no form of bullying is, is okay. I, I had to take accountability for my part in bullying and apologize. I didn't have to, I wanted to, and apologize to a friend because I had made no, videos no. about someone. Yeah. That was another thing that was pretty hard, but I don't know, just stay true to yourself because that's where th- that's when things started going downhill for me. When I started changing myself to fit in, started changing myself to be accepted. Yeah, so I'm trying to just do now is just focus on on me and getting back 
to me. And because the internet is just the internet, you know, like this is my real life. This is our real life. And yeah. Well, I cannot thank you enough for your time today and for sharing like so vulnerably and so honestly, like I said at the beginning, like I'm, I'm honored that you were willing to, cause I know it's new for you to come back and, you know, talk about this stuff, you know, and I wanted to give you a, like a safe space to do that. Yeah. You know? Where can everybody find you? Oh. <laughs> if, you if you still want to be found. <laughs> I was going to say, don't Google me. Don't Google me. We got to work okay. on that Google reputation. I know one day it'll be, it'll get better. You know, disgusting video next to my name for forever. But yeah, don't Google me. But you can find me. My TikTok is Brittany Jade with three underscores. My Instagram is Brittany Jade with five underscores. I just, I'm trying to focus on happy family, mental health, recovery focused content on there and just living my life for me and and for my family that matters. And the second that I think that anything else does is when things start to go downhill and your addiction will sneak back up on you and the devil will definitely try to come, come back in. So. Well, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you, Janine.